I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to the Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics, where we keep the rationalist community informed about what's going on outside of the rationalist community. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Nini Ashbrotsky. And I'm David. This is episode number 78. We're recording on March 13th, 2023. Uh, we don't have any feedback or follow-up, so we're just going to go into the new news. Uh, we'll start with, uh, the shit is going down in Israel. Uh-oh. Yeah. Never really a good thing to hear. Um, there are... So, so when last we left Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu had come back into power, um, over to overthrowing, um, you know, by... Through 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 of the voting mechanism, <laughs> I was about um, to say <laughs> this coalition of like everyone else who had been allied against him, um, including like Orthodox Jews and um, like a hardcore Muslim party. Um, they were all like, okay, you know what? We'll just form a coalition to beat Netanyahu, and they were in power for I think about a year or so, and then they had another election, and Netanyahu's party won. So he's back in power, and he's taken aim at the judiciary, who not too long ago um, just had their own kind of Marbury versus Madison, where the court was found that, yes, they were able to overturn laws passed by the legislature, um, whereas before that, they'd never done it. And this was, I think, in the past couple decades that they, they figured they, they made this decision. Uh, now... Israel doesn't have a constitution, but they have something called the basic laws, which are like kind of like their um, bill of rights. Yeah, those are the laws where um, non where you are allowed to go to war with non-Jews for not upholding those laws, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. For those of you not familiar with uh, how Jewish religious law works, apparently, including my co-hosts, there are two kinds of laws. Ones where you are, uh, ones like, you know, upholding contracts, uh, obeying the Sabbath, etc., where Jews are obligated to follow them, but uh, non-Jews aren't. And then there's the more serious laws, like uh, don't commit murder, uh, don't, you know, do child sacrifices, etc., where uh, you are allowed to enforce them on non-Jews living in uh, Jewish-ruled countries and go to war with uh, non-Jewish countries if they're violating them. Ah, the basic laws are not those. Yes, they're more that was like a, joke. a More like a constitution. Um, so Netanyahu is pushing a bill that will basically cut the authority of the court almost completely. Um, the biggest change is that he wants to empower the legislature to overrule any Supreme Court decision with a simple majority vote. Oh, damn. Right? Which basically means the Supreme Court can't do anything. Yeah, what's even the point of it then? I'm sorry, a simple majority or a super majority? A simple majority. Uh, then what is point A1B of our outline saying? That is another part of the uh, proposal which would require a supermajority of the court to overrule the legislature. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So he says, legislature, you need a simple majority to overrule the court. If the court wants to overturn a, a statute passed through the legislature, they need a supermajority of 80 to 100%, depending on um, 
like the the what what the law is. I didn't really look into it because eighty percent is already ridiculous. How many people are on their Supreme Court? Yeah, I, I mean, know. if that's like ten people, then you know that's a lot. But there are a lot of uh, like there are a lot of you know unanimous U.S. Supreme Court rulings. So that doesn't seem completely are, insane. But they're usually not overturning statutes. Anytime they overturn a statute, that's usually divided. Okay. The Supreme Court of Israel consists of 15 judges. All right. Um, He wants to render the basic laws immune from judicial review, which basically means, um, you know, it's not up to the court to interpret those. They can't strike down laws because they conflict with the basic laws. Um, Basically, it's like telling our Supreme Court, um, you can't enforce the Bill of Rights. Wait, what? I thought the basic laws were like the Bill of Rights. Yes, and they are enforced through the courts. And Netanyahu wants to say, courts, you cannot, you cannot do that. Oh. Yeah, you can see why people are upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this seems upsetting. Yeah, um, and he also wants to overhaul the way judicial appointments are made. Um, right now, there's a judicial selection committee with representatives from the court, the legislature, the uh, executive cabinet, and the bar association. And... There's oh, nine let seats. the Bar Association have a say in judicial selections? Boo. Well, that's exactly what Netanyahu said. I know, right? <laughs> nice guy, that Netanyahu. Yeah, right now, the court gets three seats, and the Bar Association gets two seats, which means five of the nine seats are held by non-political appointees. Um, no, no, this is the Judicial Selection Committee. Oh, okay. The Judicial Selection Committee is nine people. Um... And Netanyahu wants to change that by replacing the Bar Association um, appointees with political appointees, um, Mm. or alternatively to expand it so the majority is political appointees, which would basically let him appoint whoever he wants and um, then approve, then then appoint any judge he wants. So how how are these reforms being proposed? Like, is this a bill that he's introducing to the Senate or... Is he just trying to declare this is what's going to be happening now? No, it would have to be passed through the legislature. Okay. But um, Israel is a a parliamentary system. So the fact that Netanyahu, Netanyahu doesn't have a coalition government. He has a, a full majority. Hmm. His party does. Okay. Um, so and, and the way the parties tend to work in in parliamentary systems are... Much more like parties act much more in lockstep than they do in a system like ours, where there's only two parties and like everyone kind of has to pick one or the other. Wow. Okay. So when one party gets a majority all on its own, they can just kind of do whatever. Yes. And right now, the only thing step between them and basically absolute power is the court, and they're trying to end that. That's that's kind of big. So what what is the the backlash? You said there's protests happening. Yes, lots of huge protests. Um, a lot of people because because this is like I said, the courts basically the only check on the executive's power if they have a majority in the legislature. Sorry, real quick before we move on to protests, I would also like to hit the last point in oh, our yes. outline, which is that this reform also apparently repeals fraud laws that Netanyahu is currently under indictment for. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> if you hadn't heard, Netanyahu is currently under indictment for fraud. Also, good to know that uh, Israel is actually willing to indict its uh, executives and former executives. Yeah, right. 
nice nice thing that um also a good example that shows that that doesn't necessarily hurt you at the polls but yeah he wants to repeal the laws that he broke which is always fun and not corrupt wow uh, so yeah there's protests all over israel um it, the the one that got the most headlines was this one elite fighter squadron um who goes on like the most important missions there's like 30 of them in the squadron and they they're they're boycotting training so they say they'll fly missions but they won't do training uh, um as, as part of a protest huh yeah I'm gonna I, think go- you, I think if you refuse to go on missions that's uh you know probably treason or something or 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 some kind it's of horrible court dereliction of duty which is definitely a court martially offense. Yeah. It is at um, least an indication that they're saying, hey, look, we might be willing to uh, to do some treason here if this goes through. Yeah. Um, one of the things one of the things they are um, saying through a representative is like a reminder to the government that they won't follow illegal orders. Yeah. <laughs> so if they like nice. if they like order them to commit war crimes, they're not going to do it, which is which that's pretty cool. I that think cool. to just come out and say that. Um, cooler if you know it, it, they follow through on it, but even cooler if they don't need to. I never know how to feel about protests because it always feels like what could you possibly do with a protest? Nothing's going to change. But then sometimes things do change, and I don't know why sometimes protests matter and sometimes they do nothing at all. Well, in a democracy, protests. The, the whole point of a protest is to gain attention for your cause. Okay. Um, so I think that these are. These protests have a chance of working because this proposal by Netanyahu legit sucks. Yeah. And it's really hard to hear this and not think it sucks. So the important part is getting as many people to hear about it as possible. Wes, you are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, I hadn't heard about this before. Have, is this a thing that people in Israel don't hear a lot about or didn't before the protests? I think a lot more of them heard about it since the protests. Because the, awesome. the, the protests are the news. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure people wrote up this thing that was like, oh, yeah, Netanyahu wants to gut the court. And I'm sure there were plenty of angry people about it. Um, but it's a lot harder to ignore, you know, massive uh, countrywide protests than it is some bill in sitting in the legislature. Yeah. Um, I think but I'm with you on protests. I, I roll my eyes at a lot of protests because a lot of them are for causes that everyone's heard about. Mm-hmm. It's not it, you know, you're not you don't have to build brand awareness here like protests, you know, if, if pro like the women's march for instance like i didn't even know what that was for it was just like yes yay women yeah and i'm like okay i agree but i feel like everyone knows that women exist and that some people like them (laughs) (laughs) um and it was just like trump sucks and like everyone's heard that before um much better are protests for issues that people haven't necessarily heard about that you think if they did hear about them they would you know want to do something yeah and i think this this probably passes that bar cool yeah um i mean the the you know netanyahu's position on this is just um that you know activist judges basically what what anyone says when a judge strikes down a law Mm -hmm. which you know it's not good if your judges are completely going rogue but i i haven't seen anything that suggests that they're going beyond you know what a, a a normal prudent responsible judiciary would do yeah well i would like you to keep us informed on this as as things progress all right well hopefully uh yeah hopefully what happens is that netanyahu gives up my prediction actually and i I don't i don't really know anything about israeli politics 
Um, so I'm just uh, taking a taking a shot in the dark here. But what I think is going to happen is Netanyahu is going to withdraw all of this except the part about judicial appointments. Um, and he's going to look like you know he caved. He's he's compromising. He's doing the 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 thing that the people want. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually going to end up with complete control over the judiciary. Hmm. How often does the judiciary turn over? I don't know. Maybe like he'll lose power before anybody retires or or hits their term limit. I don't even know how yeah how things work there. Yeah, maybe. But, um, but yeah, it, it just sets them up to have the same problem with the Supreme Court that we have with our Supreme Court. Indeed. Bad Good thing idea, we don't have real. any problems with our Supreme Court. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Next story. Uh, David, tell us about USA powerlifting. Yeah, so I am a powerlifter, and uh, I have advocated powerlifting. Uh, last time I checked, my one rep max was um, was like two thirty five, I think. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is kind of important to me because I'm also a big advocate for getting into competition in your hobbies and. Uh, the USA Powerlifting League recently, well, they said that they were allowing trans women to compete in the women's division, but in powerlifting in particular, this is de facto banning cis women from competing in the women's division. So that kind of sucked. That, that does suck. Uh, so is USA Powerlifting, are they like the 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 powerlifting uh, comp- competition? Or are there multiple ones? There's really not one. Uh, there's like four big ones, and they are one of the big ones. All right. Well, that's not that bad then, because then you still got three more. Yeah. It, it definitely could be worse, but it still sucks. Yeah. Um. You know, I think we uh, generally support transgender rights around here and, and say people should respect uh, people's identities when, when it's at all appropriate. Uh, but powerlifting seems like one of those <laughs> niche areas where you're like, actually, the biological differences do matter a lot. I completely agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how anybody could not agree in, in this particular case. I'm, I mean, they're doing it, so some people don't agree. I'm, I, I don't remember where I saw this. Maybe it was even on our Discord where somebody mentioned that uh, there, there was a lot of... of owning the libs with uh or trying to own the libs with people making fun of the term uh people who menstruate rather than women right Mm -hmm. but like honestly if if the usa powerlifting had a league for people who menstruate and people who don't menstruate i think this would solve the problem and like you wouldn't have to worry about who's trans and who's a woman and who's not well i mean you're just good harding at that point because then what about women who don't menstruate for some reason they (laughs) they don't powerlift like, like, what if you've had a uh, a hysterectomy? Oh, I mean, you could still power lift then. Well, but you're not a woman who menstruates. Yeah, you're a woman who could, in theory, menstruate. Well, that's... No, no, you couldn't. Yeah, the no, parts that do the <laughs> menstruating are, are removed. <laughs> I see what you mean about good harding. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually the, the correct term there. But whatever it is, it's a bad it's a bad metric. You're not measuring the thing you want to measure. Yeah. Um, I, and so uh, one of the... You know, one of the takes I saw from this was Andrew Sullivan, who's like a, you know, moderate, I guess. And he made the point that, like, there is really nowhere for non-crazy people to go in the the political environment here. Because on the one hand, you've got the people saying, uh, 
women should have to compete with trans women at powerlifting. That's just entirely based on the physical strength. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got this dude at CPAC getting up on stage and saying we need to eradicate transgenderism from public life entirely. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. Yeah, sounds bad. Uh, a lot of people made the point. They were like, okay, so what happens to transgender people in that situation? And um, that is the obvious problem. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, there's, it's really like kind of nuts on both sides. Do trans men still menstruate? Some do. Okay. I think, so, I think if you take, if you take enough testosterone, I think you stop. So honestly, the people who menstruate lead might not even might not even have room for cis women. Well, a lot of powerlifters are already on testosterone, yes, so uh, oh, not wrong. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're the ones that uh, it helps the most. Yeah, I have. So the the Prospera friend, uh, he powerlifts because he actually has pretty severe body dysmorphia and uh yeah i joke that he is male to male transgender (laughs) (laughs) nice all right uh next story silicon valley bank yeah this was bad so yeah apparently it's uh gone belly up massive david i'm gonna let you tell us about this because i don't i don't really understand what when what happened yeah so basically there's this bank in Silicon Valley, called Silicon Valley Bank. That's good. Are you with me so far? Yeah, I got it. Okay, cool. So this bank basically provides banking services to a lot of startups, uh, a lot of the initial liquidity for crypto companies, etc. They are also, you know, just a normal bank, so they do the usual fractional reserve banking thing where they uh, take some uh, fraction of their deposits and use them to make investments in a these uh startups and crypto stuff and so on but also you know normal things securities um uh bonds etc so basically what happened was they when um i believe mortgage-backed security rates were really low but i'm not sure what the exact um um uh security was but Regardless, when interest rates were really low, they bought a whole bunch of interest rate sensitive uh, investment vehicles. It may have been uh, treasuries. I'm not sure. Anyway, they bought a whole bunch of these. The issue is that these were relatively long term investments, right? Yeah, they're relatively long term investments and they bought them when they were really cheap, uh, when interest rates were really low a year or so ago. And then uh, the... Well, I think the issue was they weren't that cheap, right? Because interest rates were so low, and these uh, had... Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, and the, so they were like... Yeah, the interest on them was low, yeah. and so they were... Or the interest rates on them was high, and so they were relatively expensive. Yeah, like high compared to yeah. what you could get at the time. Yeah. Uh, then the Fed changed its policies. Uh, they lowered interest rates to try to curb inflation, and um, I think you mean raised. Yes, sorry. Lowering interest rates, I'm pretty sure, yep. causes inflation. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you, you should have let me know. I needed to take notes on this. So they raise. So they raise interest rates to try to curb inflation. 
that sends the um, price of these investments plummeting and Silicon Valley Bank goes insolvent. Now, normally this wouldn't be a problem because, you know, banks do investments all the time and sometimes there's a transient phase where those investments take a downturn and so the bank's assets are lower than the uh, amount of deposits they have. They basically have less money than people have given them in their deposits, which is not normally a problem as long as you don't have a whole bunch of people going to this bank and all wanting to get their money out at the same time. Hey, I've heard of that from uh, from the old-timey times. Yeah, so Peter Thiel told all Founders Fund investors to go to Silicon Valley Bank and withdraw all their money at the same time because he was worried that... Uh, that this bad investment they had made would actually lead to the bank going under. And How then the I bank went under. Thiel's fault? <laughs> oh, it was the Silicon Valley in the name. So I want to push back on the bad investment thing. It wasn't really a bad investment at the time. It was a low interest rate phenomenon where yeah, they had no, gotten, I... yeah, they'd gotten a ton of deposits that they couldn't loan out fast enough. And they picked up uh, a lot of these mortgage-backed securities, uh, the federal-backed ones that were supposed to be and are you know extremely stable but like like you said very long term so they couldn't get their money back when people came running yeah so my understanding of these securities that they bought is that uh, at the time you know the interest rate was good compared to what else you could get in other safe investments but since the fed um raised interest rates you can now buy extremely safe um, you know, U.S. government-backed securities at significantly higher interest rates. So then those securities that they owned at the lower rate are suddenly worth a lot less. And that's not really a problem if you can hold on to it for until they mature in 10 years because you get back all your money plus the interest on it, even if it's only a small interest. But sometimes you need the money right now, like when everybody and their brother comes asking for their deposit back. And in that case, you have to sell the bond in order to give them some of their money back. Well, all their money back, whatever they want back. You got to sell the bond. And since this is now a bond nobody wants to buy anymore, you have to sell it for a lot less than you bought it for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, what happened then? Uh, so then a California regulator, I can't remember exactly which one, uh, declared Silicon Valley Bank insolvent and turned it over to, or turned its depositors over to the uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is basically a federal agency that goes to banks that have gone insolvent and pays their depositors whatever they were owed, specifically as uh, a backstop to prevent bank runs from happening. And Now, but they um, only insure deposits up to a certain amount, so, right? Yeah, so there's two, two issues with this, specifically as it pertains to Silicon Valley Bank. They only insure deposits up to $2,500 or $25,000, and... $250,000. Yeah, it's going to be Yes. Way sorry. $250,000. And they only insure the accounts of private individuals. They don't in, insure corporate uh, accounts. And that includes all of the many, many startups that I just said 
Silicon Valley Bank has invested sure. in. Uh, in fact, banking with Silicon Valley Bank is uh, a considerable status symbol for um, for startups. So I'm going to go ahead and say every too. startup that has <laughs> ambitions to become the next Facebook has gone well out of their way to make sure they have uh, accounts at SVB. All right. Now, my understanding is the Fed has now since stepped in and all the investors, like all the account holders are going to get their money. Yes. Yes. Um, so. And also, unlike previous bank bailouts, the shareholders and the executives are getting fucked. Also, yes. Uh, which I like because uh, that was my big problem with the previous bailouts. Um, but I'm told there is still a moral hazard issue here because that probably won't happen to the next bank that does this because they have some new policy now. Yeah, so the... So the new policy is just that they are paying, they are completely covering all of SVB's deposits. Uh, in I know this includes the um, deposits that exceed the $250,000 threshold. I think it is also uh, covering corporate deposits, but I'm not sure about that one. It is. Um, it's all okay. deposits. All right, cool. Uh, so yeah, basically, especially with the corporate depositors, where uh, this is where they actually have like accounting departments to shop around to different banks, this is going to basically push the market equilibrium for bank for risky behavior from banks because the depositors know that if the bank does something risky and goes tits up, then they're still fine. And uh, so yeah, there won't so be any ba- demand so, for like risk-averse banking. Exactly. Mm, that does seem like a problem. Yeah. Can I talk yeah, about why I was worried this weekend? Like, just seriously, legit worried. Uh, does it have to do with AGI? Actually, no, not in this case. <laughs> okay, then go on. <laughs> it, it is literally about the thing we were talking about. Well, because they. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I thought so. I just saw chance to make joke. a funny gotcha nice uh yeah jokes silicon- are really landing tonight <laughs> silicon valley bank didn't really do much wrong like they they followed all the regulations they did what they were supposed to do when they got more deposits than they could handle they put it in one of the safest things you can put it in and then you know interest rates went up the economy turned uh a lot of their depositors being in the tech center and the tech sector having some serious issues started taking money out and needing uh their money back and so they have this they cr- this crunch happening where they need to keep liquidity and they the only way they can get it is by selling some of their stock at a loss or not some of their stock some of these bonds at a loss which it should be fine. You just kind of declare a loss, right? You say, oh, last quarter, we, we kind of fucked up. We lost some money. No big deal. But everyone freaked out because if everybody goes to get their money back, like Peter Thiel says, then they, they literally cannot sell enough bonds to cover all the deposits because they're worth so much less, almost half of what they bought them for. Uh, and, and people aren't going to wait 10 years to get their deposits back. So the bank goes, the bank goes up. People don't get their money. And the real thing that worried me, because, like, this is one bank. Sure, it's in the top 20 largest banks in the U.S., but it's just one bank. But, like, this isn't unique to Silicon Valley Bank. Like, this is throughout the entire banking sector. 
when banks had a lot of money on deposit, they bought these securities in large part because they are um, favored by the government. They have to hold less of them to co- cover their obligations. And now all of them have this problem where these bonds are worth half as much. And if they can write out the 10 years and then sell the bonds at the end of 10 years, that's fine. But if everybody comes for all their money right now, they all go bust. And I was thinking, should I go and try to get my money out now before other people try to get their money out? Because there's literally no way for the FDIC to bail out everybody in the nation, even at just the 250k level. Uh, that's, that's what, trillions of dollars? That's not even coming close to what uh, the corporate deposits out there. So I, I, I was legit like, this could be the beginning of the end of another 2008 at the very least. And then the fucking Fed stepped in and owned the shit out of the place, which is amazing, but also also a little worrying, too. All right, Eniash, take a breath. Yeah. It's not something you need to worry about. And not anymore. With I, Well, I just mean you don't need to worry about, you know, everyone in the country trying to, to take out their money from the banks at the same time. I mean, I consider myself kind of slow on the uptake and sort of an average Joe-ish, and I was seriously considering lining up to the bank Monday morning to take my money out. So if I'm thinking about it, I'm worried a lot of other people are, too. Right, but th- that's not happening. No, no, because the Fed did the thing. Well, also because that would be insane. People uh, are insane. I mean, there was never there was never a a danger of the FDIC insured accounts not getting paid back. That's the if, whole point of the FDIC. Yeah, but if the entire banking sector in the U.S. collapses at once, they don't have enough money to cover that. Yeah, but if the entire banking sector in the U.S. collapses at once, your money's not going to be worth anything anyway. Yes, that that is a thing I was worried about. Right, so don't take but taking it out of the bank isn't going to save you. Well, yeah, okay, uh, unless you take it out of the bank and to the gun store and buy canned food and ammunition, <laughs> right? Which is uh, if you're worried about civilization destroying um, recessions, are the only sensible investment opportunity. And this is uh, in fact why I did not do that because I did not want to go buy more ammo and canned food. Yeah, but but one of the tricks you're missing is. Before the FDIC even gets involved, like banks need to try to cover their deposits from their own assets. And mm-hmm. banks have rather a lot of assets. But a so, lot of those assets are worth half as much as they paid for just a year and a half ago. Yeah, well, but sure. small fries like you are still going to get paid. Sure, but sure, but once they sell all the worthless mortgage-backed securities, then they also need to sell, like... Their blue chip stocks, their um, uh, hedge funds, their gold, etc. And between the FDIC's capitalization and the assets of the entire American banking sector, like it's not obvious that people won't eventually see their money back. Yeah, it's not obvious that they will, but it's not obvious that they won't. Eventually, can be a long time if you need to eat this week. Well, sure, but if you don't have a couple weeks' worth of cash stuffed under the mattress, then you're not taking the problem seriously anyway. That's a fair point. At, at any rate, I was worried at least of a 2008-style another recession, which I didn't want I either. mean, y- you have an unfinished basement. Bury yeah. some gold coins, John Wick style. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a couple of weeks of calories down there, so I'm not terrified, but I don't want to have another great recession. That sucked. Yeah, that would suck. Fortunately, the Fed did their thing. Should I talk about the thing they did? Talk about the thing. All right. The Fed has a new policy, a new program they call the Bank Term Funding Program. Uh, this new the Fed program. 
Yes, the, exactly. We just got... There we go. The new Fed program will enable I'll be banks, calling it BitFip from now on. BitFip? BitFip. Okay. It sounds slightly sexual. In a, no, in a cartoony sort of way. It, it's, like, it's like how Bugs Bunny would fuck. He'd BitFip. No, it sounds like a, it sounds like a smartwatch brand. <laughs> smartwatch brand for Bugs Bunnies that fuck. The, the new program will uh, enable banks to pledge their U.S. Tre- treasuries and other safe government securities, such as these uh, mortgage-backed securities that got the government stamp of approval, as collateral in return for loans of up to one year from the central bank. By allowing the banks to pledge these bonds, they can meet their customer withdrawals without having to sell the bonds at a loss. Importantly, they can sell them at, or they can use them as collateral for lo- loans up to the full price they paid, not what the market valuation is right now. So that bond that they paid a million dollars for, that they could only sell for six hundred thousand, they can still get a million dollars from the Fed uh, if they put it up as collateral, and they can use that to pay back. Uh, people who want to withdraw their money. Uh, the initiative is aimed at resolving one of the problems that led to SVB's failure, the unrealized losses on bank government securities. And in fact, if this had been around six days ago, I don't think SVP would have failed. Uh, also, if the bank can't repay all these advances in one year's time, the Treasury Department is providing $25 billion of credit protection to the Fed, just in case. So this sounds to me like one of those banking things the government does that that probably won't directly cost the taxpayers anything because these whenever they do like kind of weird bank things involving loans the banks generally tend to pay them back with interest so the government actually ends up making money off of it most of the time Hmm. but also they cause weird market distortions oh yeah and so what they tell me about this one is that so the whole the whole thing that svb svp did here that was um, that was irresponsible was they bought these long-term investments when they needed more liquidity than that. So they should have got shorter term investments uh, or they should have planned for the eventuality. Like, Hey, what if interest rates go up and these get devalued? Maybe we shouldn't put that much money in these longer term things and get some more short term ones. What this does is it takes away any incentive for banks not to go as long term as possible because the fed is just going to, if you need the money right now, the Fed's just going to give you the full amount. Yeah. Um, so that sounds. I, I don't. You know. I, I don't know enough about banking to know what that would do, but it sounds bad. I think Jacob had a Twitter thread about how the 2008 crisis sowed the seeds for what we're seeing right now, and exactly how it did that. And we're we're uh, seeing the uh, same. Audience thing. note: When he says Jacob, he means Jacob Falkovich. Okay. I, I did not know his last name before just now. It's on the outline. So it is. <laughs> uh, the, um, and I think the same thing is happening now. Like, as you say, they saved the day. We are going to keep running along at a good, regular, normal economy. But something's going to happen 8, 16 years from now that just starts the whole shit over because of what they're doing. Yeah, that seems likely to me because, like I said, I don't really know a lot about the banking sector. But that seems to be sort of the cycle. If something bad happens, they put in a correction that incentivizes banks to behave in slightly irresponsible ways, and then eventually that catches up and causes another crisis. Honestly, it feels to me like we're getting pretty close just to full government banking. Like, the, the bank is de facto just... Not the bank. The government is de facto, at this point, just guaranteeing all deposits 
in the U.S., well, it's, right? It's not government banking, but it is really close to like full government insuring of the banking sector. Yeah, that's only that's only a step away from full government banking, right? <laughs> I mean, it, I mean that is how the pipeline seems to go with healthcare. Indeed. Uh, what's this note about Anthropic Shadow? Yeah, so I actually can bring it back to AGI Doom. Oh, God. <laughs> well, the... I, uh, I, I regret think, asking. <laughs> the thing the thing is that uh, the, the banks that went down when this all blew up this weekend, uh, and, and not just this, there was also another issue that happened, but the, the three banks that are gone are Silvergate Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature Bank. And these are the ones that are really, really big in the startup tech sector. And if you wanted to stifle innovation in the startup tech sector... A good first step would be to kill those banks and strangle the pipeline of money going to them. Uh, so it is a something that we might see happen in a universe where uh, AGI development is slowed down for a year for whatever reason. And so, I don't know, feels a lot like when they found the squirrel in the LHC kind of thing. Like, what? <laughs> why, why is this happening? <laughs> They're sending it back in time from the future. Right. I mean, not literally, but uh, in any universe where these three banks didn't fail over the weekend, we'd all be dead soon. So this is the only one we're left to observe. <sighs> Too bad the government fucked it up. Well, I mean, those banks are still dead, but the rest of the economy's going. Yeah, I feel like the uh, AGI startups will be able to find their money. Hopefully, I mean, obviously they will, but hopefully it'll be a little slower now take them a little longer and uh every every extra few months counts you say so <laughs> i'm full speed ahead baby okay all right anything else to say about silicon valley bank uh yeah i just want to say that um if i could go back in time to 2017 and slap the shit out of 2017 david for deciding <laughs> to go to grad school for a few <laughs> years instead of entering the job market i absolutely would Oh, why? Why? Because uh, I'm trying to enter the job market now, mm. ah, and, and the it... sector I am trying to enter just had a ma- major banking collapse. Oh shit! If um, if you manage to get a message back to 2017, um, I would just go with buy Bitcoin. <laughs> when? <laughs> when did it top out at twelve thousand? I think that? that was like 2020 uh, or tw- no. late 2019. No. No, it, it was uh, 2016 because I was an undergrad when it happened. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to send him bad advice. Wow. This, this is how old we are, Wes. My God. No, by 2017, it had gone back down to 8,000 and it was about to go back up again. All right. Yeah, so, it's a 24,000 now. You make a ton of money. Wait, Bitcoin's up to 24,000 again? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, and look, if, look at this graph on... Let me see. On April, May 26, 2017. Ah, yes. Was Look two... at this graph. A great thing to tell the <laughs> listeners of our podcast. Uh, uh, all right. May 2017, it was worth 1800 about. It's currently worth 24000 So it would be great advice. It's true. It would be good advice. In, 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 in the end of 2017, it topped out, it looks like, around 17000 Last time I looked at Bitcoin, it was down, like, getting close to 15,000, I think. Well, it's at 24,000 now. Damn, all right. Looks like it globally topped out at 64,400. Jesus. In November 2021. 
So yeah, buying it in 2017 uh, would have been man. Been 2021 was a fucking weird year. <laughs> Not as weird as 2020. Nah, 2021 was weirder. I think because 2020 was straightforwardly just the plague year. 2021 was weirder. All yeah. right. Well, listeners, feel free to come on the Discord to tell us which year was weirder, 2020 <laughs> or 2021. All right. Next story, we have a public service announcement. Yeah, this isn't really news, but still something I thought would be good to reiterate. Don't discuss potentially illegal plans in unencrypted apps. I don't or podcasts. <laughs> or on podcasts. I don't know if this is something you even need to say to our audience, but in Nebraska, a mom and her daughter are going to stand trial for abortion, which is illegal there. Uh, internal chat logs were provided to law enforcement officers by Meta because they were texting back and forth a bit over Facebook. Meta, uh, a.k.a. Facebook. Yes, the company that owns Facebook. Uh, because they, yeah, they, they discussed the plans to buy, to find this medication over over that chat app, I think Facebook Messenger. So just, I don't know, don't. I, I'm sorry you live in Nebraska and the world sucks, but ugh, get get signal for any kind of stuff. Or even better, only talk about things that could legitimately send you to jail in per- person to person. Air gap your crime talk. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Eniash. Sure. Good to know. Um, all right. Next story. Uh, the American Association of Pediatrics has released new guidelines for childhood obesity, which are getting, shall we say, mixed reviews. Hmm. Uh, They are much more aggressive than previous guidelines. Um, They recommend intensive lifestyle innovations for children as young as six Hmm. and medications and surgery starting at ages 12 and 13, respectively. Oh, damn. Yeah. Because this is the AAP, I'm guessing they're not sensible intensive lifestyle interventions like stop feeding your children sugar and or uh high fructose corn syrup and seed oils oh no it's it's talk to them about dieting i mean don't eat high fructose corn syrup and carbs is in fact diet talk i mean that's that's a diet yeah but it's not gonna make you lose weight i think avoid sugar and carbs is probably the best thing you could tell anyone ever i mean if you go full ketosis you'll lose weight yeah, you don't gotta go full ketosis, but just avoid those two things if you can, especially yeah. the sugar. And you should that that helps a lot. Uh, that helps you be healthy. Okay. Um, that doesn't necessarily help you lose weight. Hmm, okay. Intentional weight loss is extremely difficult, ah. so much so that it's almost impossible to study intentional weight loss because it's nearly impossible to find people who can actually do it. Oh, damn. Um, the the only reason, the only good data I've seen that even suggests that weight loss is healthy is on bariatric surgery patients because they're the only ones who actually lose weight. Do you know that there is a high incidence of alcoholism after you get the bariatric surgery? I had not heard that. I heard this from a friend who got the surgery and then became an alcoholic and went to AA and found that this was actually fairly common because your body is still sending you signals of, oh, my God, I need to eat. I'm starving. And you literally physically cannot. Really? And yeah. And so because I, lose... I heard the whole point of the bariatric surgery was your body stops doing that. Apparently not for a lot of people. Mm, and he lost a whole bunch of weight. But to deal with the stress of feeling like he's starving a lot, uh, started drinking. So, um. Yeah, that, that can be bad. My understanding is your body does adjust, but it takes a minute. Okay. Hmm. Um, I'm not happy with these guidelines um, because my my stance on obesity is that 
telling people to lose weight is not is not helpful. I I want to reiterate this for my mom. Um, it's not they they they've done study after study showing that if you just tell people to lose weight, they'll probably crash diet and end up gaining weight. Mm. Uh, and that there is no diet that you can recommend that is going to have is going to have any kind of reliable success. You always get individual cases where it works, but if you extrapolate that over to enough people, it's almost always going to be counterproductive. And these guidelines are basically saying, all right, starting at age six, start body shaming kids, telling them they're fat sacks of crap and that they they need to lose weight, which means they'll probably either um, fail to lose weight, um, but hate their bodies, develop an eating disorder or both. That sounds amazingly shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. And here's why. Most of those studies finding that weight loss is extremely difficult are studying adult patients. Yeah. And I think if you intervene with kids, especially if the interventions are focused on making sure their metabolism doesn't get completely and utterly fucked and... I think some fairly straightforward interventions like cutting high fructose corn syrup and seed oils will go a pretty long way to doing that. Then you can, I I mean, I haven't seen studies on this, but I would be very surprised if you couldn't have significantly better results in kids whose metabolism isn't nearly as set as adults are yeah and i agree that like we shouldn't fat shame kids uh we shouldn't fat shame people in general but um and you know there are because this is a pseudo government program it's probably has a lot of other bullshit and uh rent seeking and bribe taking and so on that causes it to (laughs) do a lot of other bad stuff but uh remember the food pyramid Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> indeed. Let that be the battle cry for the next generation. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I'm 100% yeah. but with you on counseling uh, like parents if they, you know, they have six-year-olds or, or kids, older kids themselves, uh, to avoid high-fructose corn syrup and seed oils. Um, I just think you should do that for all kids, uh, regardless of body size. Yes, I agree. Um, I don't think it's necessary to say like, oh, well, you're too fat, so stop eating garbage. Just tell all the kids, don't eat garbage. A lot of our food is garbage, and you shouldn't eat that. You should eat better things. Here, here. What's this about seed oils? Oh, they're very bad for you. Hmm. I, I had not heard of this. Um, it's, I mean, it's speculative because everything about nutrition is speculative. Um, but there is some good evidence out there that seed oils fuck your metabolism up. So what is a seed oil? Like peanut butter oil? Uh, yeah, can- canola oil. Yeah, canola oil. Uh, um, basically, oil names come in the form of substance that the oil came from oil. And mm-hmm. if that substance is a seed, um, canola, sesame, um, etc., then Funny story. it's probably bad. Canola huh. is not a seed. That's just a word they made up. The actual oil is rapeseed oil. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which you can uh, understand why they changed the name. Wouldn't rapeseed be a type of seed, though? Yes, yes. which is why that's a bad one. Oh, oh uh, okay. For cooking oil, just use olive oil. Or uh, avocado oil if you need a high smoke point. Um, but yeah, uh, high fructose corn syrup, very bad for you. Also, sugar in general, awful for you. Yep. Um, flour, most carbohydrates are, are pretty bad. Um, but th- the thing that that I don't 
like about these guidelines and that, you know, a lot of, of uh, you know, eating disorder experts don't like about it is they're entirely about body size. And they're like, well, if a kid's BMI is too high, you got to you got to convince them that they, uh, you know, they they're fat fatties <laughs> and they need to not be that anymore, which has been shown time and time again to be counterproductive. I think it might be less counterproductive with kids who don't have fixed metabolism. But again, I'm I agree that the focus should be on health, not necessarily on body size. I do think there is some more evidence that fat that being fat is especially if you're like extremely fat is not good for you, Uh, especially if you're getting up to the level where like you're having back and joint issues. Yeah, it's definitely not Um, good for your joints. Uh, but yes, in general, I agree that we should be sending messages to not eat crap to everyone because everyone is at risk of eating crap and not just for those unlucky ones where, uh, their eating crap has the specific bad manifestation of them no longer being hot. I mean, we're talking about small children, so that was a very unfortunate phrasing (laughs) on my part. (laughs) And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and retract that, but, uh. Well, but you get they'll what want I to be hot in the future. Yes. <laughs> Not being the platonic ideal we all have in our heads of the ideal person. Um, but like I said before, you know, they, they have done studies on um, on bariatric surgery patients who do lose weight in, in on average um, and then do have, you know, slightly better health outcomes. So that that's what ended up convincing me that, yes, there is some um, health benefit to losing weight. But you get just so much more health benefit by doing healthy things like eating healthy and getting exercise. And powerlifting. Um, and powerlifting is incredibly good for you. Yeah. It's like, you know, the stereotype is like cardio is really good for you. But when I've looked at it, it seems like lifting and strength training in general is like you get like twice the benefit. And um, it doesn't feel awful. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it does, but... The weirdos I, end up liking. I it. have I have literally never had a powerlifting experience that was worse than not powerlifting. Damn! Because, like I said in my troop deployment before, uh, when I talked about this, not only do you get stronger and release endorphins and stuff, you will. It's also like a cheat code to permanently remove the depression debuff from, from your character sheet. Yeah. Um. But yes. So. Like, that's why I was really wish that these public health authorities would start focusing on getting people to do healthy stuff. Yeah. Um, because, you know, let's say, and if you take Add a fat free kid, weights to all public <laughs> school recesses. Yes. Uh, it, so, and I'm saying if you take a fat kid and, you know, they start getting regular exercise, they start eating stuff that's not just terrible for them, um, they're going to get, you know, 80% of the health benefits that you want them to have. And then if they do all that and then they're worried about, you know, they want to be a little healthier, they want to not worry about joint issues when they're older, then maybe talk to them about losing weight. Um, but I think the, the by far, the, um, the focus should be on eating well and getting exercise. And I think if we do that, we probably wouldn't even need to worry about people's weight. It really... Yeah, I, I, I find it... It seems... When you say that, I'm like, isn't that just what they're doing? It seems like in a sane world, that's what you would do. 
Yes, but we're talking about the American Association of Pediatrics. <laughs> uh, Not yeah. sane people. These guidelines are like literally the, to, the whole goal is to get kids to be less fat. And there are no they, – they specifically in, the, in their, their write-up of these, they talk about the studies that they reviewed to make these guidelines and they ignored any study that even has a health component. They only looked at weight loss studies. All right. Yeah, it's bad. They're very bad. Um, so I could, I'm just going to keep yelling about this, so we should probably move on. Okay. All right, Eniash, tell us about your boyfriend, Elon Musk. I have broken up with Musk. No! But, yeah, I know. I thought you guys this really... This isn't about the AI thing, is it? David, <laughs> it is. Ah. Uh, um, well. But well, I, I see that you've been cucked by the uh, <laughs> big corporations who are trying to take over AI, and I am sorry to see you go. Don't worry, David. You can get him on the rebound. Oh, <laughs> But I can still be upset about injustice in the world generally, which All I right. am right now. What injustice are you worked up about now? Well, the FTC is going after Musk. Uh, there is an FTC. Hey, the FTC. We love them. Oh, they're the best. They're, well, okay, they're not as great as the FDA. I can't well, no. even bring myself to make jokes about this. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. The FDA is undisputed king of uh, government agencies. But FTC is, you know. Yeah, it's up there. They're up there. Uh, the FTC has an agreement with Twitter uh, for been a while now. Um, the FTC has these agreements with a lot of companies, it turns out. You put agreement in quotation marks there. Yes, yes, very much. In a quota- it's like the agreement you have with the mafia. It's when the you're offer wor- you can't refuse. Yeah. When you're worried about your business burning down, you come to an agreement with the mafia to prevent that from happening. Uh, the FTC agreements uh, from this thread I'm quoting are what happens when a major social media company uh, has a little fucksy waxy where user data leaks. Which is uh, all of them. Yes. This gives the FTC immense leverage over firms to make them do whatever the FTC wants, basically. They are, by design, very hard to comply with and just puts a, a complete leash on them. Are you quoting someone there? I was quoting someone. Who was I quoting here? Eigenrobot. Ah, Okay. Yeah, I don't want you to plagiarize on the podcast. I, I said this is from the thread I'm reading. I, I suppose I did not credit it correctly with name, so there we go. All right. Uh, but yeah, it's, they're they're unhappy about him owning Twitter and making things open that had been hidden before, like the fact that the government basically has their hand up Twitter's butt and is using them as a sock puppet whenever they want it to say things or suppress other things. Uh, Specifically, they're really unhappy about the whole Twitter's file thing and is demanding a list of the journalists that had anything to do or any contact with Musk. Uh, And it's issued a bunch of fines to to Twitter and it's, you know, continuing to, to go over them. There's an open investigation now. Well, you can see their points. I mean, the Twitter files let everyone know the government was basically telling Twitter, uh, you know, what stories to suppress. Yeah. We can't it, have that getting out. I, Th- that might reduce trust in our institutions. <laughs> this is definitely a thing that the government does need to crack down on, yes, but also they should have never done that in the first place. You, you wouldn't have to kill the witnesses if you didn't do the crime. Well, that's just not, not an option. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. let's be realistic. And I, I do, you know, listen to a lot of Reason Roundtable. I, I am 
closely adjacent to the libertarian stuff now, I guess. But uh, one of the things they often say is that, like, private companies are able to do whatever they want because they're private companies and don't interfere with them. And uh, this makes me update quite a bit away from that particular line because the private companies aren't choosing to do a lot of censoring uh, on on their own because of people they dislike. It's because uh, they have these agreements and other things. And this is the case with basically any company that's large enough so uh i i don't i i don't agree anymore with the if you're a private company you can do what you want thing because you haven't been able to do what you want the whole time anyway well we already established that you don't want private companies to do what they want because you favor an ai slowdown i do (laughs) well i think when michael moynihan says private companies should be able to do what they want what he means is the government shouldn't have their hand up their butts this way I agree, but uh, they shouldn't. See, they shouldn't be forcing companies into these agreements. But we have to deal with the reality where there is hands up all the butts, and in so that you're case, saying specifically when Twitter decides to censor something, um, you know, their response is generally like, "I don't care. Twitter's a private company; they can censor whatever they want." And now you're going to be more like, "Well, are they doing that because they want to, or is it the government telling them to?" Yes, and that is my response for every major company now. Yeah, seems reasonable. No. Uh, in follow-up news to this, the FTC, a FTC commissioner is resigning, citing that the FTC chairman has a, has a, what was it, disregard for the rule of law and due process and abuses of government power. And, uh, she just can't, can't work there anymore. Her documentation and publication of this has, uh, has come to naught and she's just like, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm telling everybody this now as I'm going. So, yeah. I would have just said that and not resigned. I, then that, I I sounds like something she had been saying and not getting any attention until she resigned. Huh. All right. Mm. I don't get this impulse to like, well, if I want to speak out against the government panel I'm on, I need to resign from it. It is weird. I I'm agree. Like, no, that- just, just tell everyone it sucks, but then stay on and try to make it suck less. Yeah. Make them fire you if they, if it comes down to that. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess you don't get attention until you resign because then you can, the newspapers can put that in all the headlines. This was such a big deal. I understand why the military generals do that, because I think there's, like, rules about criticizing the military if you're still in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there's rules of, like that for FTC commissioners. I think they can just say whatever they want, and it's, you know, free speech. I don't know. I think the government has a lot of uh, vices on the speech of the people working for them, so possibly not. No, you'd have to be able to. They, they, it's really only the military that can get away with limits on speech like that. Because uh, it passes strict scrutiny, apparently. I I hope so. I'm less. It can't possibly. There can't possibly be a rule against people on these commissions, ta- like criticizing the commission. Yeah, that does sound very implausible to me. Eh, maybe shrug. I, I I don't believe that as much as I used to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the rule for federal employees is like. You can be fired if and only if your speech is in the capacity of a of an employee and relevant to your duties as an employee. Um, and even then, you can't face p- uh, penalties harsher than firing. Again, with with being in the military being an exception to that, uh, because you know military. Right. <laughs> Yes, the military's special. Yeah. Um, unless you're giving away like like secrets or something. Yeah. Or uh, that, but saying yeah. but saying I, like this guy's an asshole is not a secret. Although in that case, I think the like the the 
spreading the secret isn't a crime. It's it's still protected speech. It's um it's uh violating the um it's violating the whatchamacallit. Um non aggression principle. I know that the British <laughs> I know that the British version is called the Official Secrets Act, but the 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 thing that classifies document the law that classifies documents. So like the sure. the people I just mean, yeah, so I just the mean people who receive the yeah, so the, the journalists who received the Pentagon papers, they didn't commit any crimes by publishing those. Right. Um the, Yeah, it's the people who, who expose the classified information to the people who aren't allowed to receive it they get in trouble yeah the people who receive it can tell whoever they want Mm -hmm. um but i just mean like if you're giving away secrets uh like internal stuff that you're not supposed to they can fire you for that so it makes sense to resign before you do that yeah um but you can't get this is not a firing offense so i I feel like they should have just stayed you don't think saying that the chairman of, of your agency has disregarding the rule of law and due process and abusing government powers isn't a firing offense not in the government Hmm, okay. I think that's protected speech. All right. I think that's what you want your uh, commissioners to do if to, if that's what they think is happening. I would definitely want that, but I I would be surprised if someone wasn't fired. Yeah. But hmm. no, I think I think I think from a uh, if you're uh, working a government job and you're commenting on government policy, that's protected speech, and the cool. government can't fire you for that, like a private in- employer could. If they did get fired for it, they could probably kick up an even bigger fuss about that and get more eyeballs on it than they could by just resigning. So, True. All right. So, uh, Eniash, what's this about a partisan rift? Yeah, I don't know. The Now the Republicans are investigating the investigation that the FTC has launched into Musk because they, I, I don't know, are coming to, I don't know if they're like coming to Musk's side or just against the FTC or what. I find it, this whole thing is very weird, but... um. I don't know. Is this a thing that used to happen in the past with the government agencies becoming a football that Republicans and Democrats would fight over? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then I guess here's another one then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Now to move into the area we've been hinting at the entire episode, artificial intelligence. We've been hinting at this? I mean, we've been. I mean, I've been it. talking shit about it because <laughs> you know you think that the government alignment problem is easier to solve than the AI alignment problem. But I, I literally do think that. Yes. All, All right. right well, tell well. us about AlphaFold Two. I didn't even know there was a two. I didn't know there was a two either. But apparently, there's been a two for a little while, actually. Uh, no, they... AlphaFold. That's the one that makes uh, the medicine, right? Yeah, that uh, figures out how proteins fold. Uh, yes. Uh, which is used for creating medicines and seeing how small molecules interact within, well, just in general, but how they interact with things inside our bodies is the ones that we care about a lot. Uh, yeah, AlphaFold was not good enough. They ap- actually apparently made AlphaFold 2 uh, again from the ground up. Uh, and it is even better than AlphaFold. It has helped to develop an experimental malaria vaccine that's now being tested in people. Uh, there's a second shot uh, based on different uh, molecule that it identified, which will start experiments later in this year. Uh, it predicts there's a version now that predicts the structure of RNA molecules with the hope of developing medicines using those insights. And uh, it has designed molecules that might block a protein linked with liver cancer. It took about 50, it took the startup about 50 days and less than $100,000 in order to use it to find this molecule. So Tweet. yeah, AlphaFold 2 is doing a lot of stuff. And right. Well, if any if of that this, works out, look for it in happy news. Yeah, yeah. If this was, if this was news even six months, 
seven months ago, it would definitely be in happy news, and now it is in neutral news. <laughs> Mostly because David yelled at us about putting, uh, you know, incremental advances in happy news. I, it it, is, it's it not is. incremental advances. It's, you know, not... It, I don't... I don't like putting stuff in happy news when it's downstream of the actual bottleneck that's keeping cool stuff from happening. Yeah, all of these do still have or to go through the rather. crazy, yeah, through the crazy FDA process, and and importantly, it is also an increase in capabilities of AIs, which is why I would think it should not go in happy news anymore. Hey, can we can we replace the FDA with AIs? That sounds like a good idea. That actually does sound like a decent idea if we use current AIs. I mean, can we do that to all the regulators? Oh, that'd be awesome. If if nothing else, you'd get your answers quickly. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, a lot of them are, you know, a lot of them we could just straight up abolish and replace them with nothing and it would be better than fine. Yeah. But for the rest of them, yes, we should replace them with AIs. And people wonder how AIs are going to gain a lot of power in society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Better Look, AIs so- than humans. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have you met humans? Speaking of better AIs. <laughs> yes. Geniosh, what else is going on? GPT-4 is coming in the next week or so. What? Uh, yeah. But yeah. we just got used to GPT-3. I know. It's like the pace is ever accelerating or Ooh. something. It's like hmm. exponential growth or something. Yeah. It's like we might be approaching a certain horizon that we just can't see beyond. Yeah, it's like uh, it's going some um, onomatopoeic uh, term that I can't think of. Yeah, but it still kind of feels like the takeoff is going kind of slow. I mean, you <laughs> you got to accelerate before you get to fast if you start slow. Anyways, GPT-4 <laughs> is going to be coming in the next week or so. It will be <laughs> I'm multi- sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to repeat. You have to accelerate to get to fast if you start on slow. I just want everyone to internalize that because that is, that is very true. Sometimes I just say words that are true because I like being correct. All right. Good. All right. GPT-4. Let's do it. Going to be multimodal, which means it's not just going to be text like the previous GPT. It's going to encompass text, speech, images, and video. Yeah. When you say speech, do you mean audio? I'm assuming that's what it is meant by speech, yes. Okay. Uh, Microsoft is also working on confidence metrics in order to ground their AIs with facts and make them more reliable. I'm assuming so they'll have some idea of uh, oh, like how Some kind of confidence a, man. Yeah, yeah. How, uh, how reliable a hallucination might be, might get a number up by it or something. Uh, also, GPT-4 appears to work across all languages, as in you, it can receive a question in German and answer in Italian. Hmm. This particularly was interesting. Uh, I first ran in, across this, God, two months ago now? I, I don't even know how time happens in the AI timelines anymore. But where someone said, look, we have Instruct GPT-3, which we've been working on. We trained the, cor- the training corpus is almost entirely in English. And yet it'll work in other languages, and we don't know why. And it would be nice if someone could figure out how this happened, because that's a, that's a thing. So, yeah, but yeah, GPT-4 will be having that as well. We have pretty good translation software for a while, so it's yeah. not super surprising. No, it's not. I mean, the, it didn't have access to translation software. It, it is not a translator, at least not in design. Well, apparently this one maybe does, or it just kind of worked out that way. One of those two. Yeah, we will find uh, out once well, it comes out. That's pretty exciting. Now, I heard a lot of speculation that ChatGPT was running on like a beta of GPT four. 
No, you heard that Sydney from Bing AI was running on a beta. Of oh, yeah, GPT-4. that's the one. Not yeah. ChatGTP, the Bing. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is still the speculation. There is still nothing confirmed. All right, which is, uh, you know, didn't seem that much better than ChatGPT, but... Yeah. Uh, it, it was significantly better. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait till I get to play with it. Hell yeah. Um, I'm really hoping... I'm just waiting for those uh, ones that can write music to get better. Because I, uh, I have songs, man, up in my head. Oh, cool. That, uh, you know, it's very difficult to get out into the world. Yeah. But if I had a music writing AI, it'd be pretty sweet. That sounds really cool. I'd like to hear some of your songs. I actually wrote a song today. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's not done, though. I still have to write the bridge. Ah, okay, okay. All right. Well, that brings us to happy news. Good news, everyone. Um, Our first piece of happy news was something that I was really surprised by and is awesome. Toddler vaccinations are have increased over the past two years. Huh. Um, and I was under the impression that, to- that that child vaccinations had been cratering because all these crazy COVID anti-vaxxers were, were not only not getting the COVID vaccine, but then turning against all the vaccines. Oh. Um, but not the case, um, or at least I, not I on mean, average. It's not necessarily not the case. Right. That could still be happening. But overall, toddler vaccinations are up um, for all, like, the shit that toddlers really need. Well, um, they're look, not up by a ton. Well, I look forward to the new wave of up-and-coming autists. <laughs> we need them. Right? My vaccines made me who I am today. <laughs> oh, God. Vaccines do not cause autism. Just, just so you, everyone knows. They allow more dumb... autistic children to survive into the future, though. That's true, um, but yeah, they're 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 not up by a lot. It's usually it's between like one and three percent, um, except for influenza, which is up six and a half percent for some reason. Huh. Um, but that's not <laughs> Pro- that's not really the, one of the ones that's super important. Probably something something burp flu. Do toddlers get the influenza vaccine? I thought it was just for adults. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. Oh. Yeah, flu, flu kills. Unlike COVID, flu kills children. Well, I'll yeah. be damned. Um, but I, I thought this was great news just because I assumed it was down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so awesome. I keep getting those kids vaccinated. Vaccines are a modern miracle. Hell yeah. All right. Other piece of next piece of happy news. So remember you guys, when we were talking about how they launched the, uh, the spacecraft to go crash into the asteroid. Yes. So the first time we covered it was when they were launching it. Then like nine months later, we followed up and we're like, they hit the thing. They hit the asteroid. Mm hmm. Now the data's come back. They actually diverted it. Dude. They moved the asteroid. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And like, like enough that if we detected an asteroid that was going to hit Earth from far enough out, they could just send one of these things. Oh, fantastic. Right? Um, and I'll link it in the show notes. But uh, Alex Tabarok's headline on Marginal Revolution was, The Era of Planetary Defense Has Begun. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so this was pretty sweet. So that's uh, one less thing to worry about. Hell yeah. Except now we need to worry about planetary offense. Yay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, you know, asteroid detection. Yes. Which, because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how far out we need to catch this thing before we can divert it. But Depends on how big it is. I'm, I'm sure that that's the case. But uh, I feel like the, the new bottleneck is, you know, how, how, how we can detect them. Yeah. But we have a thing that can that can make them not hit the earth. Fuck yeah. Which is great. 
All right. What's our next happy news? Ah, there's growing nuclear acceptance. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is almost a follow-up to the AOC one from last time. At least 12 states are enacting 14 bills uh, in the 2022 session that include state support to retain existing nuclear powers, repeal restrictions on new nuclear development, Ooh. Yeah, and growing support for an interest in advanced nuclear technologies. We're finally getting the future that we deserve, eventually. Yes. So yeah. our... our- any of these states just straight up telling the NRC to go fuck themselves, and if they did, would that succeed? I didn't read that in this, so it sounds. I would imagine no. Ah, yeah, I would doubt that. That um, they're they're certainly not going to be that overt about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you met any Texans? Well, the thing is, I think they might be successful if they tried that, because there's that whole thing where congress told the nrc to redo its policies so they'd actually approve stuff and then they never did it oh yeah so i feel like a state that wanted to build a nuclear plant and the nrc wouldn't approve it could have a a grounds to just do it and then defend themselves against the suit from the nrc yeah uh to say like look the nrc is operating outside their mandate they don't have statutory authority for this um so we're not going to listen to them that's fucking brilliant. Like what Colorado, uh, California did with the Yimby stuff. Yeah, um, Someone but yeah, try that's, it. There's, there's lots of precedent yeah. for for if a if an agency exceeds its statutory authority for states to go ahead and, and ignore them. Um, and this current Supreme Court is probably going to be pretty receptive to that argument. Awesome, because they are not not fans of the regulatory state. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know of any state doing that, but I would encourage uh, any state that wants to give it a shot, go for it. There's a, an actual non-frivolous legal argument. All right. One Fi- more happy news. One more. Yes, finally. There is a startup called, I think it's pronounced Saku. That would be my guess. S-A-K-U-U. Uh, yes. So, yeah, Saku sounds about right. They use 3D printers to print solid-state batteries. Ooh. Uh, yeah, these batteries use 40% less material than the conventional lithium-ion batteries. It have increased energy density, and they're easier to recycle. And they can be printed in any shape, which is actually kind of a big deal. Uh, The company is uh, aiming for scalability. They say that a new machine, one of these 3D printed machines that uses their, uh, it's a powder that they use to print the batteries out of. A new machine that sits on around 400 square feet will be able to produce around 100 megawatt hours of batteries in a year. Older equipment can take up to 16,000 square feet and can only produce 2.5 megawatt hours per year. Uh, They claim that this can... much less. Uh, that is much less. We're using a lot more space, too. They claim that this can cut the cost of battery production nearly in half. Uh, obviously, they can do the individual prototypes. They they have some of these batteries that have been made already. The, the real question is, can they scale it? And I guess we shall see. Yeah. But if they can, that's going to be fucking awesome. I am personally bearish because my understanding is that mining the lithium is the really constraining part and turning the lithium into a battery once you have it is comparatively simple but still even if that part gets cheaper then that means uh you're gonna see benefits as a consumer and that's good if it uses 40 percent less material that's 40 percent less lithium you got to mine right yeah uh do these still use lithium i it says they're lithium ion batteries so i assume they use it well i was comparing them to lithium ion batteries uh, yeah, lithium metal sample cells is what it says on their website. Excellent. So it does sound, sounds like it does still use lithium, but less. Cool. All right. 
Well, that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so my troop deployment for this episode is a message to people who think that we should be thinking about slowing down or stopping AI (laughs) development (laughs) while... Uh, we figure out the alignment problem. The message is simple. You can't. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying it would be expensive to do so. I'm saying you actually literally can't. Basically, the way that AIs work, there's three stages in the training, and for or there's three stages in production. There's the training, there's the... Um, uh, the fine-tuning, and then there is the actual end product, the uh, chat GPT, uh, GPT-3, stable diffusion, whatever the actual thing that you interact with as a user is. Really, the only point in this process where there is even a remote possibility of, uh, of actually succeeding in this goal is the training phase. Uh, the... Um, the fine-tuning phase, you can do that really easily in a distributed way, and once you have a trained model, then those tend to be, like, single-digit number of gigabytes, and anyone can download them. I, I literally have a copy of Stable Diffusion on my computer right now. Get him! <laughs> I have one, yeah, too. So, so, once you get to stages two or three, you're basically... Like, you're in a war on drugs situation, and we all know how that's been going for the government. Um, so the only chance you have is stopping things at the training stage. But you have two options if you want to stop things at the training stage. Option one is to put a complete dead stop on it, in which case you're just mortgaging the future to whichever country and or corporation based in whichever country has the second best AI infrastructure. And so that could be China, it could be some random country in South America, whatever. But regardless, it just means that America or developed Western countries or wherever would just give up their own ability to influence the future of AI and therefore the future. Or you could do the regulation approach where you would be giving control over those AIs and therefore control over the future over to giant corporations, the military-industrial complex, and the U.S. government, or whichever government we're talking about. And historically, that has also gone quite badly because, frankly, we've put much more man hours and to- over much more time into trying to solve the government alignment problem than we have the AI alignment problem. And so far, we have made at best zero progress and more realistically, probably negative progress. So I. I do respect Eliezer Yudkowsky and other um, AI safety people as much as I uh, disagree with them. But in this case, the case of saying that we should use governments to stop or slow down 
AI technology, I just don't see any way for that argument to make sense on an even remotely realistic set of assumptions about AI and about governments. So, yeah, like, AI risk is real. I'm not denying that, but there is just no plausible way to solve it um, by, or there's no plausible way to solve the risk by stopping technological development. All right. Thank you, David. Eniash, what do you have for us? The Oscars happened recently, and I don't actually watch them because I think they're silly, but I did over the last weekend go see the Oscar animated shorts due to just a bit of serendipity in the vacation I was taking. Uh, One of those shorts is The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, and it won the Oscars, I just heard. Now, this animated short is, it's legit good um, in various ways. When I had a great time watching it. I think anybody will have, the vast majority of people will have a great time watching it. It's well produced. Apple TV and the BBC put a bunch of money into it. There's big name talent in this. Uh, Idris Elba did the voice of the fox. It's, I recommend everyone to see it. But I can't say any more than that because to say more would be spoilers. And the spoiler aspect is a really big thing about this this short. So I want to encourage everyone to go out and see it because I am legit surprised that it got the Oscar for Best Animated Short. And again, not because it's bad, just because it says things about the Oscar voting people that is very contrary to my model about them. Um... I, I think it's on Apple TV. If you have that, go watch it. Uh, if not, honestly, pirate it. It's it's fun. It's worth it. Um, it's not long enough to like have a whole viewing party about. But like, if you're having a party or some friends together anyway, put it on and see what your reaction is to this thing. Uh, I, w- when the people accepted their award, the two guys that were most responsible for it, they both of them apologized. And I understand why. I just, I don't know what to make of the fact that that this won. Um, go watch this so I can talk about it with you in person. It's, uh, it's, it's a whole thing. That is my troop deployment. Disclaimer, the mind killer does not advocate the cool crime of stealing. <laughs> no, not, as an organization, definitely not. Um, also, uh, I think that's easy to understand. Do you realize the Oscar voters hate themselves? But, see, All right. well, I haven't seen it, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. I think that anybody who can make it all the way through the uh, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse will enjoy it. So stick it out. It's uh, it's not like terrible. Kids can watch it too, but but you have to get to the end. It's a short, right? How long is it? Uh, fifteen, maybe twenty minutes. All right, all right. My troop deployment is: don't touch grass, touch each other. It seems like the past few months I've encountered a number of articles about how people, and especially young people, are getting less happy. There are a number of theories about why this is, but by far the most popular explanation is, you guessed it, the smartphone. And maybe they have a point. Smartphones are an amazing technology which allows us to greatly increase our skills and knowledge, but they can also be used irresponsibly. Doom scrolling is bad for your mental health, no question. Social media greatly increases the ability of bullies to intrude into the lives and thoughts of others, often with the active assistance of authority figures and gatekeepers. Certain online ideologies encourage people to process all conflict as trauma and award status for being pessimistic and depressed. As with any technology, it's important to use it in a healthy and intentional way, and if it becomes compulsive, to step away. 
One particularly unhealthy way that technology has changed things, I think, is to convince people that it's not important to see each other in meat space. It's easy to use social media, texting, and other forms of electronic communication to make it seem like you're spending time with your friends without actually spending any time with your friends. According to the Census Bureau, time spent with friends by Americans 15 and older started declining in 2013 and has now declined by more than half to only about two hours and 45 minutes a week. Time spent with other people has also declined, and there's been a huge increase of about nine hours per week in time spent alone. COVID certainly didn't help, but the vast majority of that decline came before the pandemic. If you're looking for an explanation for why people are unhappy, I would start there. Being with other people, especially our friends, is absolutely necessary for our mental health. I've personally started asking people to hang out more and saying yes to other people's invitations. I've joined a Facebook group for local people who want to go out and do things. I'm starting to host board game meetups on Sunday mornings. Uh, uh, Side note, Sunday mornings, hundreds of years have shown that's a great time for people to meet up. So if you don't have anything else going on Sunday mornings, I recommend that as a good time to plan things with your friends. And so far, I could personally attest that I feel better on days where I get to see other people. And I encourage everyone listening to do the same. It's important to touch grass, but as a certain telecom company told us decades ago, it's more important to reach out and touch someone. (laughs) Yay. Here, here. All right. That's our show for this week. Thanks for following us. Um, If you follow us wherever you follow podcasts, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Substack. It's pretty cheap. It's only like five bucks a month. You'll get early episodes. You'll get access to bonus episodes. And you'll get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.